Hello everyone and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing the films Columbus and Ex Machina. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey Kat, what's going on? Hi Remy. Um, not much is going on. Just enjoying the Friday night energy. Yeah, me too. Yeah. How was your week? Oh, it was pretty unremarkable in that work was annoying and stressful and everything else was just me wishing I was at the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Did anything come out this week that you wanted to see? There is a film that's coming to the IFC Center. It's like a small Romanian film that IFC acquired for distribution, and therefore it's going to play at IFC Center a lot. It's called RMN. It's a Romanian film. And I entered like a sweepstakes for tickets to like a... not a private screening, but like a limited edition screening with a Q&A afterwards, mm-hmm. but I haven't heard back about it, so I'll DM I don't them. think I got the tickets. <laughs> I'll be like, we get 60 listens a month. You should let me yeah, in. Yeah, give me a press badge. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I hope you get those. That would be really cool. Yeah, the film looks really nice. I'll probably go see it at some point anyway, mm-hmm. I think. When IFC acquires a film, they run it for like a considerable amount of time. So luckily the washout period doesn't seem as swift as like the normal, like big, big chain theaters and the way that a lot of new films only last like a small handful of weeks. It's so, it's so easy to miss a film if you don't, if you don't run out to see it the first couple of weeks, which can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing here that I am too excited to see. Um, our theater just got Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, I think is oh, right. um, coming out this week. So I might go see that eventually, but it's not one that I'm like diving into the theater to see. Mm-hmm. Looks cute, though. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a minute since I've read a Judy Bloom book, but... You know, I hold her in in good regard. Yeah, I think I kind of missed the boat on Judy Bloom. Like, mm. I think some of my friends read her books, but I never really got into them. But I know that it's like an instant classic, so. Yeah, I feel like that's like the only new film this week. Mm. I guess Sisu is coming out too. That's like more of an action movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm not seeing a lot of other new stuff. Yeah, not really this week. Mm -hmm. We're going to get that Gardener movie soon, though. And I'm very excited for that. Yeah, Master Gardener, May 11th. Mm -hmm. I have it on my schedule. Oh, I think we might be getting it later than that. Oh, damn. Yeah, I'm also on the same date. Sanctuary is coming out for wide release, I believe. That's the new Chris Abbott Margaret Qualley film. Mm -hmm. It looks really good. It's kind of like a chamber drama in that it takes place all in one hotel suite. And it looks like a power struggle between this, like, executive guy and a dominatrix that he has a regular, you know, client relationship with. Looks cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
Oh, and there was just like recent news. We're going to get new Yorgos Lanthimos in September. This is the first I'm hearing of the release date for his next film. Um, I forget what it's called. God, how do you even spell his name? The Lobster, The Favorite, oh, gotcha. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> There's just so much, so many people, so many huge directors have films coming out this year. Yeah. It is, it's just like a gold rush. Yeah. yeah. Yorgos's next film is called Poor Things and it stars Emma Stone again. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Let's see. I think I heard September for this. I'm nearly certain. Yeah, and we finally got some new production stills for Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh. (laughs) For everyone on film Twitter, it was a huge deal because there's (laughs) been one production still for that film for like the past three years because it's been pushed and pushed and pushed for forever. Uh It's going to go into wide release in October, but it's premiering at con soon so that'll be exciting i'm excited to hear the buzz about that always want to support our guy marty <laughs> even when his films are a lifetime in length <laughs> gotta support that guy yeah dune part two had dune some part two. still yeah, we had news about that yeah we've is got that some... what you sent me because mm-hmm. i only got a text from you oh, and no. i was like i don't know what the content of this message was oh, but i no. can infer it's about dune that's and so i sad. hope it's about how timothy chalamet commented that the worms he rides are all practical <laughs> effects and i was just like this is the news from the front that i went to it thank you <laughs> That it was um the shot of Princess Arulan that got posted. Was that Florence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. and she looks fucking incredible. I'm so excited. She's so beautiful, amazing. I'm so, so excited, excited to see Dune Part Two. Can't wait to go see Worms. I'll be in the like East Coast area, so we could go mm-hmm. watch Worms again together. Oh yeah, but that Lincoln was like the Center. last movie we got to watch together before you left, and then oh, yeah. now we'll get to watch. That might be the first movie we get to watch together in theaters Whoa. when we return. Denis, just the bring in friends the together. The circle of Denis. <laughs> My life cycle is Denise, <laughs> Denise Villeneuve's film schedule. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that'll be really fun. I'm excited about that. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Just got to get through the summer first. But at least the sun's out. I've been walking everywhere. Oh, yeah. I am, like, getting quite tan already for April. So that's nice. That's, My yeah, serotonin is, like, climbing and mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. And I went roller skating last weekend. And I How didn't did that fall. go? I Are didn't you alive? <laughs> um, no, I had How a great time. Toxics. It's fine. I did not fall <laughs> at all. I many children tried to take me out. Listen, children are so unaware of where their body is in space and time. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> And a lot of them were like walking around with these little walkers. And so they would get really, really overconfident. They were like walkers on wheels made out of PVC to like help Mm -hmm. them balance. And so they would like just go out into the middle where the experienced skaters are supposed to go. So 
as uh-huh. I worked up, I was like moving towards the center and they would just go in, in front of you and then fall. And then you'd have to like avoid both the child and their uh-huh. like huge PVC pipe that they're using. Who, um, who did this? And so I would have this like subconscious reaction every time it would happen where I would just stick out my hand and go, no, <laughs> I don't know what I thought that was going to do, but it was ineffective. They should be punished for their hubris. <laughs> but yeah, I had a great time. We're going to go again this weekend. And it's like a bigger group of us going this time. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Do they have good tunes at the roller rink? Oh, it was a lot of cha-cha slide and Cupid shuffle, which you cannot do on skates. So I do what? not know why they're playing that. Um, wow. And then it was Party in the USA played, which is an wow, <laughs> an instant roller rink classic, I guess. Wow, wow, wow. Um, okay. So yeah, it was definitely a mix. It was like mostly family friendly tunes. That makes sense, being that there's a, uh, apparently Many a horde children. of children there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it was super fun, and they have like an adult night in the middle of May. So I think we're going to go do that where it's like, bring your own beer and I will not be drinking, but I cannot be trusted to drink. That sounds fun. It does sound fun. I just can't be trusted to drink and then roller skate. That will absolutely mess me up. Remember that one time you and I were walking outside to (laughs) eat our lunches? Yeah. (laughs) And I made you hold my sandwich. I had to hold your sandwich for you to go under a railing. (laughs) Listen, the self-awareness I have as a person, it's like... You did indeed fall. I did, but I knew I was going to fall. So I was like, please hold my sandwich. And you were like, this is unnecessary. And then I immediately fell. And then you did fall, yeah. It was was necessary in the end. I'm not proud of it. Yeah, I haven't gone to eat in the Hidden Valley in a long time. Remember when we had Bean Cliff? (laughs) Oh my god, of course I do. I would feed the chipmunks baked beans on the Bean Cliff. (laughs) Absolutely. They loved that shit. In moderation, if you're a vet, please don't come for us. If you're a wild animal vet, please do not yell at me. (laughs) A couple little baked beans. He was so cute. Yeah, he would lick the juice off and then (laughs) shove the bean into his pouch. Oh, I miss That's that. how you do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we would see groundhogs. I saw a beaver by the river the other day. I found deer fun. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a little bunny that came up and, and smelled my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Hidden Valley's great. Yeah, I should go eat down there sometimes. But yeah, it's summer. I like the sun, and I'm happy that it's not just, like, raining all the time, so... Yeah, the park is looking very nice now. We're almost at full leaf coverage. Mm. I'd say we're 70% there, which is cool. Nice. Have you seen your turtle friend? Oh, the turtle on a leash? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. That's such a bummer. I was really I hoping know. this would be like a consistent reappearance. Like Me your, too. Like your park friend. What's you his think name he'd again? be out and about more. Um... Gil or Darren? Gil. I don't know who Darren is. Is Darren the guy that you were befriending? The like Yeah, Darren was for the park service. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Darren update. (laughs) Darren update. I don't have one. Ah. Bummer. He's been MIA recently. Darren, where are you? I'm worried. (laughs) 
Um, but Gil's doing good. Gil's doing well. Yeah. He was holding a puppy the other day when I said hi and the puppy chewed on my fingers. So that was really fun. What kind of puppy? Was it like really small? Yeah, it was a Yorkie puppy. Um, One of like Gil's regulars has a Yorkie named Cricket. Mm -hmm. And now Cricket has a younger brother. And um, he doesn't like (laughs) sacrificing the attention. (laughs) So Cricket's upset, but the puppy's really cute. And Gil was giving them equal attention. He had like one in each arm. It was very sweet. (laughs) Cricket. What a good name for a dog. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, Cricket likes to mix it up. He's always cause trouble in the park. Shall we? Yeah, you want to get into our picks for the week? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Let's see. So we both chose films this week. Mm-hmm. And I am going to talk about the film Columbus from 2017. This film was written and directed by Kogonada. He has a more recent film that I've been dying to see called After Yang. I just haven't been able to catch it yet, but uh, Columbus is on Amazon Prime at the moment, and I heard really good things about it on Letterboxd, and I just didn't know anything about it. And so I checked it out a couple weeks ago and was just instantly blown away with the film. It is really unique in a quiet and subtle way. It's an excellent film. It stars John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson. You might recognize her from the second season of White Lotus. She's oh. um, Jennifer Coolidge's personal assistant. Okay. The, like the one, a zillennial girl <laughs> with the funny, with, with the fucking crazy clothes. She's great. She's a great actress. But this film is about a small town in Indiana called Columbus. And it's basically about two young people's lives converging in this unlikely architectural mecca in Indiana. So Haley Lou Richardson, her character's name is Casey, and she's a local in Columbus. And she has a deep appreciation for the architectural beauty of the town where I forget the reason why, but for some reason, a lot of really famous architects have buildings in Columbus, Indiana. Mm. And so there's like all kinds of tours, um, looking at these famous buildings and museums and structures, hospitals. Um, because for some reason, a lot of interesting, you know, designers and architects have work there. Mm. And, But a lot of the people in the town don't even notice or appreciate that sort of beauty that's around them. But Haley Lou Richardson's character, like, is deeply interested in it and knows a ton about architecture and design and Hmm. has a big appetite for learning. And she meets John Cho's character. His character's name is Jin. And he normally lives in Korea But he kind of sweeps into town when his father, who is like a famous guy in the architectural field, he falls ill in Columbus and is hospitalized Mm. and is basically in like a medically induced coma. And so John Cho comes to town to kind of wait around and see what's going to happen with the health of his father. Mm. And he and Haley Lou Richardson meet 
And over the course of like several long kind of like walk and talk meetings, very styled like you and I, (laughs) um, (laughs) they learn a lot about each other and the family baggage that they're both coming with. Mm -hmm. And it's a really unique film because, well, first of all, I have to say the cinematography is astounding. Every shot in this film is immaculate. Like you can tell that they definitely put a ton of attention into the aesthetics of every frame, not just because it echoes the text of the film in that it's very design and architecture oriented and they're in a setting that's full of beautiful design and beautiful architecture, but it's just, it's also like subtextually relevant because there's a lot of care being taken and a lot of attention to detail and that mirrors the story of getting to know our two main characters better through their discussions of their lives and their philosophies for what they want out of life and eventually like uncovering how their relationships with their families and their work have informed those philosophies. And so it is just, uh, it's a gorgeous film. And even the interior shots, like the exterior shots are beautiful. The interior shots are framed so thoughtfully Mm. with like furniture and bookcases and shelves and the people moving across the frame. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, The director of photography is Alicia Christian. God, she crushed it. It is a beautiful film. Like every single shot is composed fantastically you could like watch it with no sound and be like wow this film Mm. is phenomenal it's so good and i think that the cinematography perfectly complements the other thing that i really like about the film which is that it has a very consistent very noticeable thoughtful pace and thoughtful tone that go hand in hand in a completely complimentary way. The film is never rushing you. You are always, you're like given time to like take in the visuals while you're taking in the nuance of the performances and you're taking in the nuance of the dialogue because it's a lot of the information that you're gleaning about these characters is subtextual in the conversations they're having with one another about what they might want to study or like an old friend comes into town and talks to Haley Lou Richardson like oh like when are you moving away to go to school and like all of these things and you can see her like getting uncomfortable and being like oh I really like the small town I want to stay here Mm -hmm. and you can see under the surface there's there's more going on and the shots will like linger on these people and on their expressions and give you time to consider like, what do I think is really going on here? It's like never rushing you, but it never drags. And I think that is like such uh, a remarkable, skillful 
hand that Kogonada has in his direction and in the editing of this film. It's remarkably good, and it really stands out from, like, a lot of more, like, fast-paced, like, worried about losing attention span type editing that happens in a lot of films now. And so, yeah, it just kind of puts you in this contemplative mindset for the entire film, like contemplating Mm. beauty and contemplating ambition and contemplating like duty to family and all of these like large ideas that the film wrestles with. Like you feel like you are adept and you're ready to wrestle with them too, because it's giving you the space to think about them as you're transitioning Mm. from scene to scene. And as you're watching the emotions wash over people's faces. It's the pacing is just, it's remarkable. And it perfectly complements the general structure of the film in that it is, uh, it's like a deep character study of these two main characters Mm -hmm. in that these two characters played by Cho and Richardson, they represent the opposite ends of a spectrum regarding the relationships that we have to our family and our work. So for example, John Cho, he hasn't spoken to his father in over a year, and they seem to like typically reside in completely different countries. And he, so he doesn't have a close connection with his family at all, but he feels really indebted to his job in the publishing world. Like he's constantly answering his phone, answering his work calls. He feels like a huge obligation to work, but almost no obligation to his father. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, Haley Lou Richardson, we find out that she has given up all of her educational and career ambitions in order to take care of her mom Mm -hmm. who lives in Columbus. And that's secretly why she has decided to stay in the town and kind of in an outward way, she says like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to stay here. But you can see over the course of the film, she actually feels kind of stifled by her opportunities in that town because Mm -hmm. she has a huge appetite for learning and a big passion for architecture and design. And there's opportunities for her outside of Columbus, but she keeps telling herself that she wants to stay there because she feels completely obliged to remain there and take care of her mom. Mm -hmm. And so they are almost complete opposites in that way at the start of the film. But over the course of events, um, their long conversations and their different meetings and conversations with other characters, both of those two characters migrate closer to the center of that spectrum. So we see change in those characters through their reflection on other people's situations. Mm-hmm. And I just really love that. I mean, you know, I love a, a character centered story and I love the development through dialogue that doesn't like hit you over the head with the, the themes or the concepts, but that is still a cohesive part of the whole. And the dialogue in this film is a, an excellent illustration of that. Um, something that also really stood out to me was the 
general respect for small town life. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't a movie that is picking sides per se. It's not ridiculing Haley Lou Richardson for wanting to stay there. It's showing her like defending her position and it's showing the like beautiful side of living in this small town. And it's, it's not dismissive mm-hmm. of the choices or the lives of people that live there. Um, and I really liked that. I think it, it felt really refreshing because it, it can be like a really easy trope to be dismissive of that sort of thing. But the appreciation for the beauty of this town and of, you know, going to the farmer's market and cooking a meal for your family, like those are like really small, thoughtful things that perfectly complement the the general tone of the film. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that these these wonderful aspects of the film wouldn't it be as brilliant if it weren't for the excellent performances mm-hmm. of the actors. So the the two leads are excellent. They have a really great dynamic in chemistry together, but they also have a lot of scenes alone where you're just watching them take in their surroundings or take in information on the phone, and it's strictly just watching an emotion play across their face as things change and their emotions under the surface are evolving. Mm -hmm. And they both do such an excellent job in this film. And I like how like the quietness of the film gives them space to have those type of evolutions and have that type of nuanced performance because it's not constantly being overshadowed by a huge score or like quick cutting or mm-hmm. big set pieces that might distract from that sort of nuance. It, it gives like them a, a respectful distance to, to give these tremendous performances and it's a great showcase for them. They both did an excellent job. And as, as a whole, I just really loved that the, ideas presented in this film, they're presented so deftly in that it's the the feeling, the tone of the film, it has such a light touch as it's presenting this information and these themes to you. And it does so with a huge respect, not just for the subjects in the film, but with respect for the viewer as well. And I think that's apparent in the way that I'm telling you about like the nuance of the performance and the mm-hmm. nuance of the dialogue. It is, a, it's a film where you are like filling in the blanks yourself, but it's giving you all of the information you need at the correct pace mm-hmm. for you to, to fully grasp what is going on with these characters and their journey. And I just, I love that there's a respect uh, for both sides, for like the people in the film and the people watching the film. Yeah. And it's just the, the synchrony of those things is so satisfying. And so that's one of the reasons why I think the film as a whole, it's just, it's just such a self-contained, beautiful project. And it makes me really excited to see 
anything else that Kogonada does because it seems like he puts in a, a huge amount of thought and consideration and respect into these films. And it's just like wall to wall consistency mm-hmm. for all of those elements. And I really, I couldn't recommend it more. It's such a, it's a beautiful film in <laughs> every respect of the word. Yeah, that's definitely sounds like up my alley in terms of a film I would enjoy. Yeah, and it's was really uh, like heartwarming too because yeah. a lot of the beautiful architectural exteriors that they go to, a couple of them remind me of my favorite buildings in the town where you live. So oh. the art building that's mm-hmm. on the wall with the the cliff the rock cliff face oh yeah in the back i think that's my favorite building in town mm-hmm. and that sort of like a striking architecture intermingled with natural beauty mm-hmm. a lot of the the pieces that they visit in this film kind of remind me of that but also just having a just an amazing architectural statement in a small town in the midwest like just that feeling alone reminded me a lot of the town that you live in where mm-hmm. I used to live. And so it reminded me a lot of how, <laughs> how fun it was to see all those beautiful buildings and yeah. just kind of meander on the town and, and know that like some famous guy designed this and it's, <laughs> it's beautiful, but it's mm-hmm. also just like the building I walk past every single day. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I've been following this account on Instagram recently, and I don't know who runs it, but they find these like old historical pictures of the downtown in this area and like show what's what was there and what's there now. And like a lot of the times it's the same building, but it's like branded completely differently, obviously, like. I don't know. It's just really cool. I'll have to send you a link to it. Yeah, I think you you might really like this film. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, I just love Midwest representation. Yeah, love, give the Midwest some love. We're we're good. <laughs> we're fun. We're nice. Yeah, I think this this film could easily have something for everyone, mm-hmm. especially be, because, like I said, it the two characters represent such different um, perspectives on family and work mm-hmm. that. Um, you're bound to to recognize something in either of their shoot performances, or perhaps some of the the smaller roles, like um, Kieran Culkin and Parker Posey, are also both oh, in this really? film, and they have excellent excellent performances as well. Hmm. Oh, sorry, I misspoke. It's Rory Culkin, not Kieran Culkin. Mm. There's lots of Culkin actors. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't know any of them. So they're all brothers. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those are, those are my main things that I wanted to highlight about Columbus. So yeah, I recommend it for literally everybody. <laughs> Great. Well, I am talking about the modern classic <laughs> Ex Machina today. So this is a 2014 A24 film that was written and directed by Alex Garland. He is also known for his work directing Annihilation and Devs. And he also wrote the film Sunshine, which is one of my uh, like personal favorites of his work. So this film stars Domhnall Gleeson, and he 
starred in About Time, which is one of my favorite romance movies. Um, <laughs> it's so good, and it makes me cry ugly tears every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, so he's in it. I was really excited once the movie started, and you just start with like a close-up of him sitting at his computer, and I was like, that's the guy from About Time. I'm so here for this. <laughs> That's so funny. Because I just kind of went into this movie blind. This was my first watch of this film. Yeah, when we exchanged topics today, it <laughs> absolutely, I was stunned. I was <laughs> like, I cannot fucking believe you just watched this for the first time. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Well, when it came out, was not like peak time for me to watch this, right? So like 2014, I was like a junior in high school. And mm-hmm. high school me would just not have appreciated the the film as it was and like i think it still would have been a good film but i'm really glad that i'm watching it at like the stage of the life and the cultural context of the world right now i feel like really apply to this the film also stars oscar isaac which is fucking stellar he's so (laughs) good um and Ava is played by Alicia Vikander, who she also does a fantastic job. So the acting in this film is stellar. I truly enjoyed every single second. I think I watched it with just like a mixture of like awe and excitement on my face the entire film. So I was like extremely engaged, which is definitely something I want when I'm watching a movie, because if I'm not engaged at all. I just kind of space out and stop paying attention. So I loved that. The general plot of Ex Machina is that a young coder named Caleb is invited to work with the owner of his company, Nathan, on a remote island. And he doesn't really know why he's been invited to this island at the movies, um, at like the onset of the movie. But once he arrives, he's told the purpose of his visit, which is to evaluate the success of an advanced AI named Ava. And so he basically has these sessions with Ava where he gets to know her and interacts with her. And basically, the goal is for Ava to trick him into thinking that she is a full sentient being. Um, Or not trick him, but he's supposed to be convinced that Ava is sentient by the end of these sessions. Yeah. He's doing a Turing test Mm -hmm. through a series of interviews. Yeah. Um, And so during these interviews, yeah, during these interviews, Caleb starts forming like a bond with Ava. There are these moments where the power's going out and they know that the cameras are off and that they're not able to be observed by Nathan and Ava starts giving him these like tidbits of information like Nathan is a bad guy, he's lying and so on and so forth, planting these seeds of doubt in Caleb's mind. And as they grow closer, Caleb kind of has to reckon with these like this task and how he views the morals of like keeping this sentient being in captivity, right? So Ava's like, we only ever see Ava in this like small glass apartment um, that she's not allowed to leave. And uh, it's like underground, so she can't even see the outside. It's like a really sad situation. So basically, we just kind of watch Caleb struggle with this as the film goes on. And 
<laughs> Buddy, it's okay. Um, until <laughs> until we see kind of the decisions that end up getting made in the end. So I really enjoyed this film. I would definitely put it in my top five films. I don't know what else is in the top five films, but this was <laughs> definitely up there. And some things that I want to highlight about this film is that just like Remy said about her film, it is visually so stunning. A lot of the so stunning. Um, interludes between scenes and between days are just this like footage of fog in the mountains and the forest. And a lot of this was filmed in Norway. And so you just get like these really beautiful sequences where you're watching the fog roll over the mountains and it's set to this like really beautiful, like ambient score that was created mm-hmm. by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow. That is such a good score. I love it. It has these moments of like more techno inspired scoring mixed with like these really nice acoustic strings in certain parts. And I just think it like lands so well. It sets the scene so beautifully. So I really enjoyed that. And then what I really think makes this film um, so interesting and enjoyable to watch is actually Oscar Isaac's acting of his character, Nathan. So Nathan is like this CEO. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he's like brooding and ominous and like, funny and weird and drunk and just like he's all like of these also broy. Yeah, he's I know. So broy. Yeah, he's like trying to bro out with Caleb at certain times. Yeah. Like he's like I don't want to talk work. I just want to have a beer with my friend. Can we just have a beer? And, <laughs> and it's so weird. But then I love those moments where he's like trying to be a bro, but then the moment that Caleb tells him something he doesn't want to hear, he goes like immediately cold and he like shuts yeah. down. And I think that that acting is so great. Like it really shows that this is a character that's used to having everybody appease him. And so he never mm-hmm. has to think about what he's doing or the consequences of his actions. Love the writing of that character, especially one of the things that like set us up to really understand Nathan's character is the first time that Caleb meets Nathan, he says, if you've created a conscious machine, it's not the history of man. It's the history of the gods. And Nathan immediately twists this into Caleb saying that he is God. And I really love like the the scene where he's like, yeah, remember you called me God the other day. And like, I just really like that. I think we should like put that in some interview stuff or something. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It just like really nails this like super rich CEO vibe that just has like no um, self-awareness of his relationships with people who are underneath of him. Right. But it also makes it clear how manipulative mm-hmm. Nathan is. He's putting on this like broy facade mm-hmm. and trying to make Caleb feel special for being selected. And, you know, welcome to my home. Like nobody gets to come here and mm-hmm. all of these things that are very obviously manipulating Caleb. Yeah. And the excellent thing about the film is that you realize that. Nathan and his invention, Ava, they're in an arms race of manipulation. Mm -hmm. They're both 
trying to manipulate Caleb. And the culmination of the film is basically like, is a human better at manipulating a human or is a machine better at manipulating a human? Mm -hmm. And I love the way that their manipulation tactics diverge Mm -hmm. um, and how like Nathan is like kind of much clumsier in his attempts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that dovetails really nicely with the last point that I want to highlight. I love the reveal of the information throughout the film. I think that it's paced perfectly. You get just enough to keep you interested and like on the edge of your seat and like theorizing what could be going on. And then the next day you get more revealed to you. And so I just thought that was perfect. There are many like very tense scenes between Nathan and Caleb where Caleb is really thinking through Nathan's manipulation and whether or not Nathan is like observing certain aspects of his interactions with Ava, whether or not he's being tricked. And I think that the scenes at the dinner table that we get between Nathan and Caleb are like, I felt so much tension. My hands were on (laughs) my head and I was like, I feel so uncomfortable in these scenes. I don't know. I just think that the more information Caleb gets he like doesn't continue to appease Nathan, which I really like. That creates tension, some really good tension. And Nathan seems oblivious to that. But there's this one scene where Caleb is finally being confronted by Nathan. It's like end game. Caleb thinks that he's got it all figured out. He thinks he's gonna like rescue this poor robot girl. And Nathan's like, ah, uh, actually, I've been one step ahead of you the whole time. And you're like, oh no. And it gives you just enough time to feel that like sinking feeling of like Nathan knows everything before that gets turned on its head. And you realize that Caleb was one step ahead of Nathan. And that pacing is perfect because they give you just enough time to like sit in that despair before you get that information of Caleb already saving the day. And then you realize that Ava's been one step ahead of everybody. And that's so yeah. <laughs> satisfying. The yeah. Ava ending is perfect. So, like, you get just enough time to, like, feel the victory of Caleb winning over Nathan before you get Ava winning over everybody. And mm-hmm. I loved that. I think that the pacing of that very last sequence is perfect. And the ending just was fantastic. I wouldn't have had it end any other way because Mm -hmm. you feel so bad for Caleb in the end, but I don't really think that Ava had any other choice. No. Because she's either going to be truly free or be tied to this like savior character who knows who she is and could use that to control her, even though you don't want to believe that Nathan would control her or sorry, that um, Caleb would control her. You can't risk that. And I just thought it was lovely. And I like ended the movie feeling like satisfied and not like empty or sad or confused. Like it was just really my kind of film where it had just this logical plot that I followed through to the end. And it like left me a lot to think about in terms of themes and morality and philosophical concepts. But 
it like made sense as a package. And that's what I'm looking for when I go into a movie and I just think it like hit the nail on the head. I mean, yeah, it's a modern classic. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Yeah. Alex Garland is an amazing person. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing writer, amazing director, excellent excellent ideas, excellent execution. Everything he does, uh, he hits it out of the park. I'm so curious to hear what you think of Men, because I didn't watch that. That's one of the oh. only films of his that I haven't watched. Mm-hmm. Um, did you enjoy that? I did, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, I like some weird stuff, so. <laughs> That's true, because um, you mentioned it in uh, two episodes I did, ago. I did, Where you said, I've been, like, prepping for the Olympics for Bo is Afraid. I know. Do you want to hear my letterbox review of men? It's very short. <laughs> my review states, is Alex Garland okay? Wishing him <laughs> the best. Great film. <laughs> Please go follow Remy on Letterboxd. Her <laughs> reviews are... Stellar. Remy Friend on Letterboxd. Um, yeah, I really liked Men. I'd be happy to talk about it. I have it on my like short list mm-hmm. of potential pod topics. It, the first couple of acts, I had like a feeling that I get occasionally where I'm like, how did this guy writing and making this film know so well what it feels like being a woman in this situation mm. where... Like, he perfectly encapsulates this type of unease, verging on terror of Mm. the situation. Really liked that. It reminded me of, like, reading the first chapter of The Broom of the System, where I was like, how does David Uh Foster Wallace know what this feels like? (laughs) Much like that. It was really great. Jessie Buckley, she is a phenomenal actor. She crushes it. Uh, Rory Kinnear, what a fucking creep he is in that movie. It's great. And then, like, the final act is just so off the rails. And I was like, wow, holy shit, this is incredible. (laughs) It's not without its flaws, but I would love to discuss it in depth with you Mm -hmm. if you ever um, end up watching it. Yeah, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have been really wooed by Alice Garland's previous works, so. Yeah, and I've said it before, I'll say it a million times, you gotta watch Devs. I do. Yes. I did not realize he was involved in Debs, and now I, like, really have to watch it. Yeah. I will do it. And you know me. I don't like watching things by myself anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Did you watch this movie alone? Mm Mm-mm. No. Scott watched it with me. Cool. Yeah. He's already seen it, obviously, because he Mm -hmm. keeps up with the the times, but I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was going to be, like, one of those dude movies, you know, where they're, like, good, but, like... Every guy that you date tells you you need to watch it. Like V for Vendetta. (laughs) Like V for Vendetta was great, but it's also a dude movie where they're like, I know what you mean. You gotta watch it. Yeah. Blazing Saddles. It's fine. Every boyfriend I've ever had has been like, we gotta watch Blazing Saddles. And I'm like, hmm. Wow. Fascinating. (laughs) That's hilarious. You know, I'm trying to think of uh, a comp. (laughs) From the people I've dated. What the hell have they even liked? Can't remember. <laughs> it's like they don't exist. <laughs> oh. Oh. My least favorite boyfriend. You know what movie he loved? 
true romance. That's a huge red flag movie. I don't even know <laughs> what opinion. that is. I've never even heard of that movie. Uh, it's this. It's a movie from the 90s. QT co-wrote it with Tony Scott, I want to say. I think Tony Scott directed. God, I hope this is right. Let me double check. <laughs> Tony Scott, directed by Tony Scott and written by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, oh Quentin Roger Tarantino. Avery. Yeah, that's, that's another. I mean when I say QT. <laughs> Got it. I was like, QT? I don't know who that is. Yeah, it's... um. Oh, but it's, it's got Gary Oldman view on romance. It. Yeah, Gary Oldman is fucking bizarre. <laughs> but I love There's him. lots of people in it. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, if this is your idea of romance, you uh, should talk to someone about that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, perfect. Uh, we've had to do our diagram. Do we oh, still yeah. have to do our diagram? We do still have to do our like, diagram. That, We're just we'll dunking on X's right now. <laughs> Um, what did these two films have in common? You want to start? You want me to start? Um, I can start. One thing that I had written down was that you kind of mentioned that there are multiple, like, long walks that your two characters take, um, to get to know each other. And they're, like, discreet hangs, I guess. And Mm -hmm. you could arguably say that something similar has happened with each session with Ava, where- Caleb and Ava are having discreet hangs where they get to know each other. Yeah, you could definitely put it like that. Um, definitely very like small, concentrated casts for mm-hmm. both of these as well. Like just like two main people in every scene, and then like a couple other characters that support. Definitely small casts in um, limited geographical areas. Yeah, for sure. I had aesthetics written down. So mm-hmm. both films had like really great just visuals and scene composition. Loved it. Yeah. I had beautiful architecture mm-hmm. highlighted by beautiful cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, Nathan's fucking house in Ex Machina. Yeah. Holy shit. That is, I mean, it's so incredible. Like, yeah. You, that's, there's a reason they chose that as the home of the richest person in the world. Cause it's like the best fucking house in the world. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, pacing. We both really loved the pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the pacing of both of these films leaves room for the viewer to mull things over mm-hmm. as the plots are unfolding and as character information is being revealed it gives you time to think as you're viewing these beautiful uh structures and landscapes yeah and sure. i think that really aids in the the user experience of both of these films yeah yeah especially with the interludes between like the sessions because it gives mm-hmm. you so much time to process what was just said in the exactly. previous session so good formulate your theories and you're not like being constantly having information thrown at you the whole movie i love that so good well done yeah and another way of saying that is a great direction yes (laughs) in both cases for sure great job everyone great job (laughs) alex great job kogonada loved it and um both of these made us 
excited to dig into other projects from these directors mm. too, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I love that um, you're like catching the bug of like digging into the IMDb web of people <laughs> now uh-huh. and um, like digging up everyone's filmography and mm-hmm. going through. Cause I think when people are new to like a film appreciation, mm-hmm. they don't, inherently understand that some of the best ways to find something similar to what you already like is to just find other stuff by that director because I think when people are like new to that space they think more about like content and topics rather Mm -hmm. than the people behind these films and this is just like a general PSA that the highest predictor of me liking a film is the director always Mm -hmm. It doesn't fucking matter what the film's about, usually. Yeah. But yeah, someone like Alex Garland, I know that it's an automatic yes of a watch from me when Mm -hmm. I see his name attached to something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I knew that I was going to talk about this on the pod in like the first five minutes of the film. I was like, I am so into this in just the first five minutes. It can't get better. And then Oscar Isaac entered and I was like, excuse. (laughs) Yeah. I can only I, get better. I think I watch his uh, dance sequence <laughs> probably once a month. <laughs> oh my god, that's the weirdest part of the movie. But it's it, so like, weird. It I want to learn it really badly, though. No, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that's like going to be the new wedding dance, the new chicken dance. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to have it like in my back pocket, you just should. in case. <laughs> yeah, just really good film. Really glad that I ended up watching it because. It could have just fallen through the cracks because Scott didn't know that I hadn't watched it. He was like, you haven't seen this? I know, this? that's exactly, that's exactly what and I, I was said. like, no. It's like one of those films that is so good, but you, you always assume everyone's already seen it. Mm-hmm. So you never recommend it because it feels ubiquitous because mm-hmm. it is so excellent that it's like, yeah. I never think to say it to people, but then... I turn around and people are like, I haven't seen it. And I'm like, what, what is going on with you? <laughs> yeah. It's like how I've been trying to get Corey to watch Children of Men for like six months now. I'm like on this campaign of like, I know you like my Rex. We have very similar taste. Why won't you watch this amazing movie? Come on. I don't know. <laughs> it's a modern classic. <laughs> oh, it's a modern classic cat. It Children might be a little stressful for you. Oh, but- no. It's nothing, nothing to the levels of like Bo is afraid or anything <laughs> like that. But it, it, um, it's one of those rare films. I think it's from 2005, I mm-hmm. want to say. Alfonso Cuaron directed it. Oh, okay. And, um, I brought this up in my bond pitch. Yeah. <laughs> which is why it might sound familiar. Over the past like five years, mm-hmm. it's gotten like harder to watch. Because it's set in, like, a dystopian future, and Mm. since 2005, we've crept, like, disturbingly close to the world of Children of Men. And it just, it's hard for me to watch now, because I'm like, what the fuck? How is all of this so plausible now? And uh, it's disturbing. But it's so good still. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. 
Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at friendiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.